What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I thought he was a dog, but when you look half at his dog. body. Maybe half dog, and his dog is a full dog. He drives yeah. a car. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't, I, can't, seem I don't think Pluto has opposable thumbs, but I guess Goofy does. That's the question. That's the difference. Does Goofy have opposable thumbs? I think he's the missing link between dog and He does. And Look, he's holding an envelope right there with Well, thumbs. then that's the difference. Well, starting next year, all of these characters start to go into the public domain, and then we'll, we'll, oh, really? people will start that, having fun with them. Yeah. Next year. Yeah, sure. Next year, wow. Steamboat Willie will slip into public domain, and then yeah. subsequently after that, all the other characters. Well, it's how long so it take? Hundred years? It's I think being pushed it to death plus seventy five. Uh, well, Disney's Disney. one of the biggest lobbyists for yeah, like, copyright they, they, protection. They that kind did, of thing. Yeah, so but, Disney pushed it like but it didn't back happen. A long this. Time, uh, but, yeah, I was surprising. Like, this past year, I think, was the deadline for Congress to uh, extend that, again, but they yeah. didn't. Uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. I don't know what the other things are. Uh, I mean, Mickey's the big one. Yeah. Uh, but Mickey's changed a lot, so you... Well, that's the argument, too, is, like, because he's also... They've got a trademark on him, so he may be yeah. protected under trademark, which doesn't slip into public domain. Well, what I've heard is only certain versions of him are yeah. protected under trademark. So like Steamboat Willie, the old-fashioned Where he didn't have one. white gloves on. Yeah. Yeah. You can make toys of that if you want. Steam, wow. Steamboat Willie toys. Because it's so hard to get an actual Mickey Mouse Steamboat. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can't find it anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you packaged it right and said limited edition, if you only made 100 Steamboat Willie, this particular company made 100 Steamboat Willies, and it was totally accurate, and maybe it came with a little cardboard cutout Steamboat you can build or something mm-hmm. like that, and you charged 500 bucks for it, I bet... I bet you'd sell out of those. Oh yeah, Disney fans will buy anything. Yeah, they're, they're rampant. Uh, in, in the Especially stuff limited there. edition stuff. If you number each one of these, yeah. you get the artist to sign it. You hire some artist like Todd McFarlane, the Spawn guy, to. I don't know. Anyway, welcome yeah. to our <laughs> Disney podcast. Apparently, Minnie <laughs> um, is featured in the album, so it is connected. Oh, <gasps> very good. Nice. Very good. See what segue. you did there? Yeah. What a pro. That? That's, That's a pro. pretty impressive. Uh, the album, of course, is Reality What a Concept, uh, the 1979 album by Robin Williams. We have talked about Robin Williams before in the podcast, um, but it was. That album was a bit more of a comedy album than this one, and this one is this is his first album. Uh, and we'll get into uh, why it was chosen and all that stuff. First, we're going to talk about our guests. Uh, with me, as always, is my uh, producing partner Matt Ardill. How are you, Matt? Great, thanks. Good. Yeah, how are you? <laughs> uh, good. Yes, great. Yeah. Uh, this is our first uh, recording of the new year, 2019. Happy, Happy new year. year. Yeah, so uh, full steam ahead. Uh, also got uh, my partner in crime, Helena Marie. How are you, Helena? I am well as well. Good to hear. Happy new year as well. Happy new year. I wanted year. to uh, say it earlier, but I'm going to say it now. Yeah, finally. Happy new uh, year. It's nice to hear from you finally. Now that we're, uh, what are we, five days? What's the date today? My watch is on. The 5th. The 5th. 
five days into the new year, I finally get a happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> Just when uh, people are listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, See? You have proof now. I said it. <laughs> uh, Helena Marie is, uh, is an actress and producer uh, here in Toronto. And uh, just listened to the album for the first time yesterday. I correct? did. Excellent. We'll talk more about that. And okay. uh, we have Andrew Fleming with us, who is a cousin of Matt. What? Nepotism yeah. alarm. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, Full disclosure. <laughs> and you also work in the uh, the entertainment industry? Yes, yes, yes. I'm an actor. Um, I live in Toronto. I've been uh, doing stage and screen work for the past decade. Um, you know, and I'm kind of all over the place with my tastes. Like I like doing comedy, drama, and I also play music as well. Hmm. Um, like a guitarist, like yourself. Cool. Um, and uh, I'm surprise, listeners. <laughs> I, had, I had planned to reveal that in the next podcast. Spoiler. Oh, we had a big introduction set up. But anyway, that's garbage now. Go on. And uh, <laughs> um, this is my first time doing this podcast, and I'm thrilled that uh, the Robin Williams album was chosen because mm. he is a hero of mine. Mm. Uh, so very excited. Awesome. Well, welcome. And of course, we have friend of the podcast, Martha O'Neill. Yeah, hello, Jason. Welcome. Happy New Year you? to Happy you. Happy New Year to you. Uh, Martha, of course, a uh, comedian mm-hmm. and former cameraman for Bob Zumi's yeah. uh, show. <laughs> I'm always surprised how impressed people are by that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to tell my wife, and like, she's going to be so jealous yeah, that she I went out. Sure she I got a picture of me and Bob holding a baby shark, that, not a baby shark, the dogfish that oh, I wow. caught. And um, I sent him a copy because I found it, and I sent him a copy a couple of years he remember me and he sent me a nice note back but uh, yeah it was good times I was young and could work 60 hour weeks 70 hour weeks you know yeah. wow. a show that would play on Saturday mornings it would play all the time yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All, you're working up a hangover you just need something on you don't need to pay yeah. attention yeah. Hangover. To it was at hey, 14 yeah. <laughs> yeah. when we don't have cable Heather gets up and watches Littlest Hobo and oh, bless. Oh, bless. They're, they're on TV. <laughs> to Bob, this day. Bob had a great, um, uh, he, he owned the show and he had a, a sales guy who would sell it to all the independent stations around Canada. So it wasn't mm-hmm. broadcast on CBC or CTV or TSN or any of those. Uh, it was him and he, that's why he's been able to keep it going all these wow. years. Wow. It was quite a great operation. I saw all of Canada, like the most obscure parts of Canada. and Really? Oh, it was fantastic. Are you like in the water filming? Or Sometimes. If we, were in a, or what? if we were in the river, a river, I'd often be in the water and waiters wow. um often tons of the size of the boat sometimes usually we'd have um two cameras so sometimes one would be in the boat with bob and one would be in a, a like a, a b-roll kind of mm. shot um or we both all be in one all three of us be in a boat all day we'd get to the office at about four in the morning drop load up the vans drive till to wherever and then first light start and the one thing about bob i gotta say is he um never faked it so if he hmm. didn't, we didn't catch a fish that day, for whatever reason, that would be a blowout. We never, oh. ever, oh. never faked it. So and he could feel the hook set. So he'd go hook set, and we'd pick up our cameras and would do it live. We would never ever. So I gotta give him credit for that. And we'd shoot to last light, which in the summer is a long day, mm-hmm. and then drive back to the office and unpack. So it was a long, uh, it was a hard job, but it was. I mean, oh my gosh, we. I one time we drove to Caps Casing, flew two hours north of there, in a little otter. Um, I, I drove, flew to Shibugamu, drove two hours north of there, and flew two hours north of there. To, I, I know it was, wow. it was crazy. parts of Canada that so, nobody ever sees, which yeah. is it's fantastic for a young person. I was just yeah. out of broadcast school. It was a great job. Cool. But uh, yeah, 
So would you, would, would they make it sort of a tour, so you would fish along the tour and then come back, or would you no. go out, come back, out, well, come, come back. back? Wow, mm-hmm. okay, that's a lot of travel. Because Bob had a lot of tournaments, Bob and Wayne did a lot sure, of tournaments and right. things, and it would be, depend on why we chose the location. Sometimes the um, lodge owner would approach Bob, and oh, okay. uh, or or we just found it interesting. I don't, I, yeah, it's, there didn't seem to be a big, giant rhyme or reason, but uh, there you go. Cool. There you go. Super wow, fast. all right. Well, uh, fishing expert Martha. So I don't know how that speaks to your uh, comedy credentials, but uh, uh, you chose this album. I did. I did. Tell us why. Uh, this album came out in 79, so I was about 12 at the time, mm. and I loved Mork and Mindy. I, I, that is the, the God's honest mm. truth. I was a huge Mork and Mindy fan, and um, I didn't I didn't really have a... My family wasn't a very comedy-oriented family or anything like that, but I loved, and I had no crush on Robin Williams, so I begged for this album for Christmas, and mm. um, just because it was him, it was Mork, it was Robin Williams. So you didn't hear it until you got no, the album for no, Christmas. No, no, that's wow. the thing, and, um, cool. and this, that's around the time, too, when, uh, what was the name of that group, the parental, the parents group that wanted warnings on, oh, on albums? Yeah. So that was like the first year they started putting warnings on albums, you know, parental oh, discretion yeah, right. and all that stuff. Wow. But my mom had never bought a lot of records, I mean, in her life. She wouldn't look for that. So I'm sure she saw it goes with There's Mork and then brought it home and then we put it on at Christmas, you know, back in the day. One stereo, we're all in the living room. Oh, man. Oh, man. My parents. And they are, like, conservative. And the the swearing and the content and they didn't know what to do because they bought it for me and, and, and did you they, get through the whole album? They, they picked it up and they saw their like parental discretion we shouldn't have got you so we got you so we let you listen it was a big thing I'm like I was like but the minute I heard it man that just something changed in me because um, I thought that's that's amazing like that's I don't know I'd never thought about I mean I loved Carol Burnett and all those those shows but I'd never really thought about that kind of comedy. Had you listened to other comedy albums no. before that? No. That was your basically first. your first comedy yeah. album. That's oh, jumping wow. into the deep end. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no kidding. So that's why, I mean, that's why it's such a jarring effect on me. I don't know why. Because I wasn't eased into it. Well, and the structure, too. It's mm-hmm. like... I mean, what is, is this? Sorry, is there structure? Or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I, mean, I liked like, about it, though. The joyfulness. It's just character yeah. after character after character. It's just pure Robin Williams at and is it even sta- Is it even stand-up? I don't know. But it was a comedy album, for sure. But it was the joy and the um, the abandon. Because, you know, on, on television, he played a, you know, it was a family-friendly show. Um, and he there was this wild mind. I'm like, it just, I don't know, something clicked. And I'm like, I never thought I'd, I'm going to be a comedian now. But it was, mm. it just changed the way I perceived entertainment. 100%. Do you feel it affected? That 100%. particular album, how you, how you approach yeah. comedy? Yeah? yeah. Still? Yeah. Wow. That's why I did improv first. I did improv right. and sketch for years because of that. Wow. For years and years. And then I switched to stand-up because I, I just, I did. I mm. found I'm better at it. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. And, and just that freedom. And I, I, I strive for that. We, we, very few of us possess that. that. Oh, sure. Well, it's, a, it's sort of, I think this album is sort of a one-man improv show. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's peppered with jokes that he probably just had rolling around in his head and he pulls it out at, at, yeah. at times because some of the some of the jokes he makes up clearly can't be made off the top of your head I don't yeah. think well and uh, I don't know if he could repeat that album like I don't know if he no, could do that twice yeah, but right. but as you say I think there are, there are moments that kind of are kind of there okay I gotta kind of bring it to here I don't yeah. know. He's yeah. A, yeah. It, it, it has a flow to it without having 
like you said, a structure. Like it, it, you can't really see the plan where, you know, it, it's organized in the album as tracks. But mm-hmm. I don't. I, I have a feeling his set list is just a happy face or something. engineer. It was recorded in two sessions, one in New York and one in San Francisco. Okay. And you can actually hear. I mean, I don't. Mm. I kind of feel like I can tell which audience is which. Okay. When is it? When does it? Is it half half? Like, I kind of think it is. Like that first joke, a new that you, the New York echo. Mm-hmm. No. Hello, hello, no. yeah. shut up, shut up, or fuck yeah. you, or whatever yeah, yeah. it was. Right, right, right. Uh, so that first joke is like that's pandering to the New York audience. Sure. And, yeah, and love it, it. It, it, but it's also that audience is a little bit more calm. And they the, are. They, so the, at the start, the end, when he's doing um, the Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they're exactly. interrupting him like crazy. Yeah, and that's rowdy. pure, that's straight up improv. Like all that yes. bit where he's like just like jamming mm-hmm. jokes up on the stage that's him figuring out okay how am I going to take these concepts and turn it into a well, Shakespearean and, play and he's also you can hear a bit of frustration when they're not playing by his rules yeah, like, like they're more, interrupt- more, more. Yeah, 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 yeah 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 I really respect him for not doing it too same the, yeah. The, the yeah. I, I was expecting time, he would at that time he was super famous for more. totally and he's uh, a real people pleaser so mm-hmm. I was really expecting at some point he would get into that and I know it, but he didn't yeah. do it once uh, or he did and they edited it out because he didn't want that on the album could be well he specifically said I'm not gonna do more I'm here to do something yeah. different and I, yeah. yeah I totally respect yeah, that it's as well. those amazing. are kind of some of my favorite moments of the album when mm. There would be the audience would you know chirp or 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 respond in some things, and he just kind of he would you know he would improvise with that, and he was a master mm-hmm. of that. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I think he called them assholes at least three times. <laughs> yeah. In the latter half of the album, not not but directly, never, never but aggressively though. It was playfully. Yeah. Yeah. But clearly playful. calling out the. Uh, and I like how he deals with hecklers too. Six months ago, he couldn't speak and you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. So Andrew, what was uh, what was your first uh, introduction to either Robin or this album? Um, I, I I suspect I'm a little bit younger than most of the people in the room here. Uh, I'm 32. Whoa! Yep, how yeah. dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Because I, I didn't grow up. He knows with... there's women present, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I, no, no. I had never heard. Uh, uh, reality. We'll take a break. We'll <laughs> be back without <laughs> Andrew. I'll yeah. take my exit now. <laughs> <laughs> That's my first and last podcast. <laughs> um, I never. I had not heard uh, uh, reality. What a concept. I. I think my first. Before in- this week, you mean? Before this week, okay. I actually listened to it for the first okay. time yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I obviously, I grew up in the 90s watching like Mrs. Doubtfire and Jumanji mm. and all those great films. Well, he'd be a different person to you than he would be for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he, I don't think he was on cocaine all the time uh, when, no. I, <laughs> when I fell in love with him. Um, and I think my first sp- uh, stand-up experience was, I, I think I got the DVD of Live on Broadway, which was a 2002 mm. release. And... Uh, I, I fell in love with that. I remember one summer um, I worked at a, at a camp and we had the audio, uh, the CD, and we in, in the cabin, all the boys at night, we would just like listen to that and, hmm. and hearing that um, the golf bit was amazing. Like we just died. We listened to that every single night. And, uh, and then getting the actual DVD was, was, uh, was great as well. So that was kind of like my, um, when I was introduced to Robin Williams as a stand-up, I guess. Um, but, you know, it was great going back to this and kind of seeing where it all started. And, and yeah, like how much, where it came from and, and seeing the, the brilliance of his improvisations and, and then also seeing where th- some things had never changed, like the, the manicness of, of his um, act and the impersonations and the accents and uh, the non sequiturs. Um, 
just amazing. And, and I think with me listening to it, one thing that I wished was that I just want to, I want to, I have, I want the visual. Mm -hmm. I want to see it yeah. because right. yeah. he's, he does the impersonations. And for example, there's a bit at the beginning with, um, uh, interpretive dance. Yeah. And obviously like that's a completely visual thing, but yeah. totally. I'm missing out on it. And I just want it so bad to be there. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, you kind of try and fill it in for yourself and, uh, Does video yeah. of this exist? Do you know? Matt? I don't know. Possibly. Yeah, Possibly. I, I haven't come across At it. At the time, yeah, I don't know either. I, Because comedy albums were still fairly new. I mean, not new, no. but they weren't as mainstream as they are I now. I mean, like, no. Newhart was the first big one, and that was only, like, 15 years, 14 years before this. Yeah, so, well, I when mean, did Red it's... Fox do his? He was probably the first Red Fox. Was, yeah, I think Newhart was the first to really hit big. Right, to yeah. make it mainstream. And it wasn't really a stand-up album either. Yeah, it was, that was conceptual. Yeah, a lot of these early comedy albums aren't really stand-up. No, yeah. yeah. Bill Cosby had, I remember my, my neighbor, um, her parents had Bill Cosby. And I can't remember, uh, we hardly listened, we didn't really listen to it, but because um, it seems so old. But uh, it seems <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but like a true stand-up albums, maybe Carlin. I, I, I can't speak to it, but uh, Carlin? Yeah, like Red Fox was probably one of the earlier yeah, yeah, ones. Yeah, he's like, true stand-up. There's stand lots of bootlegs from like the, the 50s and 60s, yeah. but they're like the actual first getting out there. Yeah, we're still probably talking the early 60s. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's a matter of debate, too. I mean, it, yeah. A lot what of, qualifies kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, well, certainly yeah. Red Fox, Moms Mabley, I don't know. Did she record anything? Sure. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. We should we should do a little yeah. history of history of comedy. I wish I had a very all. special episode. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to answer all these questions that we are just leaving and hanging in the air. Well, uh, Red Fox had an album called Laugh of the Party, Volume One, and that came out in 1956. Right. Yeah. That's still, pretty darn yeah. early. Yeah, but it's still not too long. Like 79. It's still you know less than 30, less than 20 years. Yeah. It's not that long. Or just over 20 years. Do your math, Mark. Well, 79 <laughs> is only 40 years ago now. Yeah. So you could say it, it's still young. It's still new. It's still, yeah, it's still <laughs> Wikipedia says Cal Stewart released comedy albums as early as 1898. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would love to hear yeah. his chicken crossing the road jokes. And <laughs> Let me tell you, Sonny. Have you heard the one? I'd like to see yeah, it. When he works blue, is. he starts talking about people, of... like women's ankles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I, I think about this sometime, too, about uh, what's funny in the time. And I think that people get funnier, too, like just the mm -hmm. average person. Because listening to this album, some of the jokes he does, like, you know, the hamster in the microwave or, um, you know, there was a, a, a short thing about uh, Jimmy Carter uh, where he's talking about the Third World War and Jimmy Carter comes on the on the TV and says, uh, thank you very much. You're on your own. Good night. And uh, a lot of these jokes feel like they wouldn't get the same response these days. Oh, um, yeah. And a lot of it's new, too. Like, a lot of the stuff he's joking about, like doing the accents and, and, and making fun of the things he's making fun of. Um, like the golf thing you were talking about. Like, I think comedians have taken that to a much higher level, making fun of golf. And this it's fairly basic what he's saying. But it was new. It was... He was, he was one of the first yeah. people to, to bother talking about it. And that's what's so interesting to me about comedy is to go back and see who was the first person uh, to talk about certain topics and sort of break mm -hmm. that new ground. And then as years go by, it's up to new comedians to put a new spin on that because almost everything has been well, talked about. Then it becomes about, tired. You know? Then, you yeah. know, there's the, then it becomes hack. But then you see so someone like, uh, like Seinfeld who's talking about 
stuff a lot of other comedians were talking about, but just sharpening it and honing it and making it absolutely well, 100% examine, accessible. The examine the, the minuity of it. Yeah. yeah. The smallest Instead little general, moments of it. Yeah. Whereas Robin Williams is more like uh, he's a machine gun of it. He'll, right. You know, like, so his ideas come out at you, whereas Seinfeld would take one of those bullets and just break it right. down. Okay, so. I kind of like thinking about when this came out, and a lot of the times I'll look at comedy and look at what was the music of the day. Mm. And... I kind of feel like Robin Williams is sort of like the punk rock mm-hmm. of comedy in a way because you know at the time you look at the big acts and like Steve Martin and this mm-hmm. like where it is again it's that structured honed material where Steve Martin is a freaking genius. Well, he's and, a bit manic question. too, though. He's but he of, is, yeah. but he 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 yeah. has a, he has, he doesn't improvise. He's like he has oh, his idea. No. He builds his his. He has a beginning, a middle, and end. Mm-hmm. He has his an agenda when he gets on that mm-hmm. stage. But still alternative. It's still alternative. It, like, if Robin Williams is the Sex Pistols to <laughs> Steve Martin, who is the Talking Heads. I hear you. Like, I hear you. you know. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because they both have a very different effect. And, mm-hmm. and that they're both powerful, but interestingly different ways. Inter- who's, di- interesting. who's disco? <laughs> yeah, the late <laughs> 70s. Disco. <laughs> Uh, well, who would be the disco comedy? Yeah, uh, yeah I don't, I don't know. Maybe, um, hmm. no, who's the most like comi- like middle of the road? Yeah, bubblegum, bubblegum bubble comedy. Gallagher. 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 I Gallagher's met Gallagher. Disco. I like Gallagher I met too. Gallagher. Before or after he went crazy? Oh, way after. That's, that's arguable when that happened. I, think I, there I, were saw, stages. I met him in Las Vegas. I was doing World Series of Comedy, and hmm. so this was. Oh yeah, I want to say seven years ago, eight years ago, and he was just hanging around the lobby of the hotel at where this whole event was happening, and because he lives in Vegas, I guess. Yeah. And it was not a, like a, one of the big hotels; it's one off the strip. And everyone's going, "Is that Gallagher? Is that Gallagher?" <laughs> and he's just sitting there at, at the table at the bar and in a striped shirt with a like sledgehammer. He's, he's and a waiting for one of us to come up and go, "Hey, man, you know Gallagher?" What? <laughs> so of course I did, because yeah. yeah, of course yeah. I did. Yeah, why not? And I got a, a, the most hilarious picture of me and him. Um, but he didn't. Why is he, it hilarious? What's the picture? Because I'm just. Like, like mugging and he's and he's like mm. yeah. yeah it's just uh, but, but he didn't have anything to do with the competition or he didn't even mm. come in and watch the shows he oh. didn't wasn't judging it he was just random he's just lurking lurking he was lurking because it was not he would not be in that hotel there's no reason except he wanted to check out the world it was very strange oh. but uh, yeah I saw him once at a casino and he did a great 90 minute set that was very topical and, and funny and biting and then he does the Watermelon. 20 minutes of smashing fruit and uh, no matter what you want you're sort of happy but it's the Mork Mork of Gallagher's career yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah, he can't not do it Yeah, it's his signature but he, I was surprised I didn't realize he actually was a good comedian I thought mm-hmm. he was just sort of the, the fruit guy the which is a shame guy. which is a shame yeah yeah yeah, he's not known for being as good as he is. But yeah, so maybe Gallagher is the, maybe, maybe the disco the of. Disco. Yeah. I'm thinking late. We're thinking late seventies, right? So what would uh, what would Carlin be? I mean, uh, he's he's changed. He changed a lot. But like earlier, he was very hippie. Yeah, he started uh, hippie. At late seventies, though. Child. 70s, that would have, yeah. Um, that, that. Strawberry alarm clock. Uh, would you be like the Beatles? No, no not quite as sophisticated. I'm thinking maybe the like the uh, Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones, yeah. because he yeah. always kind of stayed a rebel. Yeah, and, and I mean, stayed I, current and stayed mm, current. It's yeah, and, and like and you know the Stones are going to this day. Carlin went to to the last day and, and changed. And changed. Yeah. yeah, not always for the better, but he he tried. He's always 
mm-hmm. fresh, and he was, he was yeah. always speaking what was on his mind. That's at that true. Time. Never phoned it in. No. Yeah. No, he always. Yeah, he, yeah. He definitely changed his act and 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 stayed with the times, for yeah. sure. Hmm. Yeah, he's the Rolling Stones. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. We're the deciders. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. all on us. Why, yeah, we're the, we're the ones in the, with the microphones right now. Yeah. We decide. Um, so, so yeah, it's interesting to me to see that evolution where, um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll see people, depends on the person. Some people really respect um, where comedy came from or interested in, in early jokes and things like that and, and, and the history of it. But... Uh, I don't know if you guys have met people where you've shown them a, a classic album and they don't think it's funny because it seems like jokes your friends would make now. Like, it feels like almost the everyone has caught up to sort of just being a funny, sarcastic person. I think this is where I come in. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> because this, listening to this it was my first time yesterday, and I'm also very young, and so I... <laughs> I grew you guys up are with, laughing a bit too hard. <laughs> she is very young. <laughs> I grew up with Mrs. Doubtfire, and that was sort of my experience with Robin Williams, and I had no idea any of this existed, because mm-hmm. I'm also very ignorant. <laughs> and uh, and it was I just I was listening to it and I kept waiting to um, understand <laughs> what he was saying, what the jokes were, what he was referencing. There's a lot of references that I just right. totally over my Did head. Did you find it funny? Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it about as much as I would enjoy someone who might care for making jokes at like the family Christmas party. Mm-hmm. So I'd no. be like, I love you, so I appreciate the fact that you're doing this, and I can mm-hmm. definitely understand that there's a talent behind it and that you're insane in a lovable, amazing way. But he feels like just the drunk, energetic yeah. uncle that won't shut up at Thanksgiving. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's was, fair. That's yeah. fair. Like, I kept making notes because I was like, okay, remember this part, remember that part. I don't know what this means, but I'm going to write these words down because the things that he's saying. <laughs> I'm going to write these And even, words. like, jokes that he made, like, he made jokes about Mr. Rogers, which I, I did grow up with Mr. Rogers, you know, and but I, I didn't, I didn't find it funny. At all. I mean, I think mm. to a certain extent, like this is an album which is very much a creature of the moment. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah. the, the the heaviness of like Cold War and the nuclear threat running through, and also Three Mile Island mm-hmm. playing into this. Like it's you know twenty something years you know removed, thirty years, um, and you know it's it's a completely different world where, where well, a lot of context is removed and don't forget there was there was television like what we saw on television was very pasteurized and cleaned up we never mm-hmm. saw anything anything um like this like so this was our only way and the internet of course not even a thing um mm-hmm. so to 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 sort of access edge of any sort it had to be this way you had to consume right. it this way in film um because television you know, it was it was homogenized, clean. I mean, you could argue there's a few shows that were maybe a little bit edgy, but um, and so this was for me because I was quite very very young, like I still am. Um, <laughs> we're all very young. We're all very young. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, this was revolutionary. Do you know what I mean? It was like punk rock. That was a good way of putting it. It was like it was like like hearing something you couldn't believe existed or was yeah, allowed right. to. It was wild. allowed to exist. It was. I can't tell you how it sort of changed the way. it it, I, I looked at the world. It's so interesting because mm-hmm. I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I've grown up in an era where nothing surprises me. Right, and 
nothing yeah. shocks. Well, you've seen tons of imitators of this guy too. Yeah, right. People yeah. trying to achieve this level of wild, uh, unadulterated comedy, and you know, achieving in different levels, I suppose. And I'm someone who respects polish. I I like mm-hmm. uh, a well written joke, and uh, I appreciate that style of comedy more than this. I listened to this album. I didn't laugh all the way through it, but I was amazed. Well, that yeah, and I you 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 wish like he said like I I want to see it in front of me. I want to right. see him do this. Yeah, it it's just a tour just... de force. It's incredible yeah. that it happened. Absolutely. But I but his next album and 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 yeah he he kicked uh, he kicked drugs and alcohol before his next album came out, okay. which was um, what's the name of it? Uh, Live the Mat. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, 86. 1986. And then he was, oh, right. Yeah, I think there's a couple of albums between Maybe there that, was. but he cleaned up by Live at the Mat. By Live at the Mat, which is a much more traditional, I mean, it's still got these crazy improv yeah. moments, but it's more of a traditional comedic set that's prepared, and I like it a lot better. I think it's funnier and it works better. Well, it's, it, it ages better, but like that's the thing with like improvised comedy versus oh, stand yeah. it's like you're in that moment by its very definition yeah. you're in the moment and, and if it didn't work it's you can't do anything about it you don't yeah. know until it's too late i feel like this album though we really saw who he was yes oh yeah like he was not holding anything back well, i mean like there's uh, i mean there's elements of it, it, it on the surface it's like oh this is just silly and dumb but then it's like no there's yeah really smart like you can tell mm-hmm. this dude went to juilliard this yeah. this mm-hmm. dude knows his comedy he knows rhythm he knows I I listened to this so much when I got it like I can't even tell you like so much but um, it's been a few years but to me it was almost like music and almost and and then after you kind of get through that shock of what is this mm-hmm. uh, and you really give it some listen you you i think you appreciate it more it is a, a lot at front uh, up first but um i don't know something about it man yeah well, it's also like Jason said like the kind of comedy the kind of jokes and just as a personal preference i enjoy like you know going on a journey that has a lot of callbacks towards the beginning of where that journey started and mm-hmm. this is a lot of sort of just pieces sure yeah. and it's not personal either no. which is very different from anything that's popular now it's almost one-liner comics um mm. are more kind of like that like um mm. um Oh my gosh, my words. Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you yeah. never learned anything about Mitch Hedberg. No. He's an enigma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, one of the funniest comics ever right. to perform. Right. So, but, but he's got more polished jokes, obviously. But um, yeah. Emo Phillips. Um, um, oh God, I'm losing all my names. Um, Steve Wright. Those guys, you don't know anything about them. Yeah, I, they write Phillips beautiful jokes. Is, I saw him opening Show Me Nerd Cred, uh, Weird Al in mm-hmm. his last tour which is Weird Al just playing all of the non-parody songs uh, which is interesting is this the like, one that was just here this summer? yeah at Danforth Musical? yeah so he had Eno Phillips opening for him oh. and I mean I watched him on you know the the array of brick wall TV mm-hmm, shows mm-hmm. on TV when I like live at the improv live at this live no, at that was he, uh, yeah and it was, was, he, he was amazing yeah. and again it's like but yeah, he he's an enigma. Like mm. it's just it's like there's a joke and it's like a one-liner, mm-hmm. and it's meticulously crafted. Mm-hmm. And and you, sometimes there's like a twist in there where you just you don't know oh how the hell did he get there? Yeah. From the beginning of that sentence to the end of the sentence, the punchline is not what you expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like yeah, it, it's it's a very different world of comedy, and it's it, it's mm-hmm. interesting. You don't see that. I could well, never do all, it. All those people I, yeah. you mentioned, Martha. I agree that we you don't know anything about them, but like you said, this album of Robbins is 
you see him, even though he's not talking yeah, I about feel like himself. I got to know he's, him. he's exposing himself somehow. Mm-hmm. He's uh, opening himself up. It feels very more so real than like a Steve Martin or a, yes, um, people you kind of feel like. But you know, certainly the one-liners. But Steve Martin, um, not like Pryor or Carlin, where you really feel like you're. Yeah. And I'm naming Being comics of, of that era, but you feel like you understand who they are. Sure. Just like I think that's they why a, they have a point of view. Yeah. They have yeah. a very specific. And I point think, of but view. with Robin, you see who he is, but in a different way. He's very impish compared to those guys. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to lecture you or, or change your mind about anything. He's just trying to entertain you. But he's also kind of dark. Oh yeah, for sure. And for I, sure. I think he's also probably the most actor of all of them. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he is an actor and mm-hmm. he's an amazing actor yeah. and he does all the characters and the impersonations and yeah. then you're oh, just like the voices are the voices. Yeah, there's I like to go back and them. forth like that. There yeah. are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Sixteen different unique characters in a forty five minute album. Wow. That yeah. are like identifiable, and then there's probably ones like I didn't count the roach doing the addition for, for a cat, <laughs> you know, like so. There's so little. But that thing. is oh man, that roach audition is such a it, weird. It, it, but it, and it works too. And, and it was Kafka esque. Yeah, well, and wasn't he saying? Is it part of Roots? He's he, there's no there's no, there's another one where it's like a, like he condensed Roots. Into no, I know, like but a, then he went right into the cockroach thing, and then he said it's in the book when he did it. Yeah, and I was, yeah. What book was he talking about? The trial, like Kafka. The, oh. Or transformation, I mean, oh, okay. uh, where the person transforms into a cockroach. Okay, and they, I missed it, it ends that's with them getting squished, and it's like, well, it was in the book. What did you expect? You auditioned to be in. I love in that audition. I love that this. you never understand anything the bug is saying except Stella when he's yeah. doing a returning <laughs> desire. I, I gotta get that. And that's that stuff like that. Um, and there, there's one part that was really introspective, which was the last track, where it's basically him playing himself as an old man. After World War Three, and he's talking about like the clones and stuff, but then he yeah. ends with this Lord, uh, Lord Buckley quote, which is another comedian like who was like friends with like Del Close and the improv scene and a lot of those people. And it's like this beautiful thing about appreciating like the flowers and that we're all flowers and walk through the garden of Pe- life. People are like flowers. It's been a privilege walking in your garden. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and that's like, this is a man who, he, he, he got a scholarship at Juilliard. He is one of two people to get a scholarship that year. I'm trying to remember who the other one was, but it's some crazy impressive actor. Me. And, Me. <laughs> uh, she's very young. She's very young. Very young. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, this is a guy who knew his craft. He knew his... He, he had a message and his message was just enjoy the beauty of the moment mm-hmm. well, he, I always thought he had the soul of a poet like as silly yeah. and crazy as he could be he also seemed like he had a very beautiful heart like he seemed kind and open to beauty in ways that some of us aren't yeah. when you see him talking in interviews and things like that and the emotional depth he brings to his roles I mean yeah we loved him in Mrs. Doubtfire and you know, Jumanji and stuff but then you look at Dead Poet Society or mm-hmm. Goodwill Hunting I mean you you feel the the pain he's lived the, the emotional depth. I mean, he's, he's ne- very vulnerable. He's never precious about his material either. Like, if somebody's, no, like, so called humble. him out on something that didn't work, he's well, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, he's had uh, a number of accusations of theft. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um... No, I didn't. Uh, yeah. Well, let me educate you. Um, and I and I don't know what to say about that, because I, as a stand-up, you know, abhor theft. But I sure. think, just based on what I, I 
have have gleaned about Robin Williams. He's probably just heard it, but he goes into his brain yeah. mush and um, it comes out. He doesn't know he's stolen it. Like he, it's just sort yeah. of thing because so many things are floating around in there, and I don't think he's. Um, ever intentionally said, "I am going to do that." I like that bit. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, like, I think it was worse during that early period when mm-hmm. people were refusing to go on when he was in it. Like this mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. this time, yeah, yeah. People would comedians would not go on. I don't blame Robin them. would come in because they're like, "He's going to steal my bit, do it on freaking Carson, and then I can't use it." And There's then he a... he would pay them when they called him out on it. Yeah, too. Really? yeah. No, he, yeah, he was awesome. he, he's like I think he's, he's just, like he's in his head. He's so in the moment. He's just like mm-hmm. put, shouting out whatever is mm-hmm. funny. He yeah. Kind of forgot. Oh, that's something I heard. Yeah. Last his, week. Uh, his bio that uh, just came out last year by David Itzkoff, which is incredibly exhaustive, and I highly recommend it. Um, there's uh, he. They talked to uh, his brother, and his brother said he had this ability where if he walked into a party and was talking to someone, he would not only engage with them and remember everything that person said but he would remember and take in everything everyone was saying around him and remember all of it so i think he's very much a sponge in that way Mm -hmm. and i don't i I don't i don't i I can't imagine how torturous it would be as a comedian to try to not take in the stuff other comedians had said i don't believe he was a mad-hearted guy like i, I think, think i think he needed yeah. to be no yeah. he endless yeah. stream of creativity yeah he's not like a george mancina kind of carlos like, carlos, carlos mancina. Yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah that yeah no no, well, no i actually read that he stopped going to see other comedians shows because he was afraid to. he was afraid yeah. of yeah. or maybe self-conscious of of you know this accusation of stealing mm-hmm. yeah because mm-hmm. because apparently he's the kind of guy who would not forget anything he heard mm-hmm. and that seems like a sort of a so blessing how do, yeah, and a curse, how do you differentiate you know? between what's your actual thought and what you actually heard yeah, four months ago on the subway there, yeah. you know kind of thing so yeah I'm just every comedian goes through that at some mm-hmm. point too I mean I've heard different bits and I've heard people accuse people of stealing and I mean, yeah, it there. does happen, yeah. but oh, there's totally also the, same, the collective consciousness, too. I mean, things get invented at the same time on different ends of the world, you know? Sometimes there's just coincidence. Well, there, yeah, but you can, in tell, the you can tell theft versus, uh, uh, you know, same thought at the same time. It depends. It depends, it depends on... how short a joke it is. I mean, there are some things that just seem Well, the Louis C.K., and I know I'm not defining Louis C.K. here, but no. the Dane Cook, Louis C.K. thing, mm. um, Opie and Anthony played the two pieces and it was like a three minute bit and it was line for line yeah, and you're like mm-hmm. and then yeah. there's um, yeah. oh Jesus I'm completely spacing on her name um, I really liked her TV show when it was on what was the show uh, Amy Schumer oh, oh yeah. okay Amy Schumer same thing where mm-hmm. like they, they're, there's people that she like they're like okay well a year ago you were on the same stage of this person who was in this lineup then a year later that bit is showing up in your show and you play it line for line and I I don't think that was the case with Robin Williams at all no like it, no, it, no. It, and, and so a joke that happened I mean I don't know why anybody would do it personally it's like yeah, like, I don't understand yeah. it either because yeah, especially it's, away with it. it's <laughs> such a small community. But the problem is the famous person takes it, and then the not famous right. person. You have no power. Yeah, you have no power. Yeah. But but yeah, what? Yeah, I don't get it myself. But um, where do you sit with uh, Leary and Hicks? Do you know what? Yeah. I have a hard time with that, but Leary's written a lot of really good stuff. He has, and he has a different energy. I mean, he still get the angriness, angry energy that Hicks does, but it's more accessible somehow. Yeah, um, yeah. I've I've always liked Dennis Leary. Sorry, me too. I, I do. I like him as an actor too. Yeah, me too. Rescue um, me is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what to say because I know there has been some straight up theft from Hicks as well. But totally, yeah. 
I'm so conflicted because I love all these people and I hate that I have to hate them in some ways. It's so hard when uh, I, I think uh, I've, I've been in positions where I've heard a joke and I thought, oh, there's some missed opportunities in that. Mm-hmm. And I would like to take that joke and run with it and, mm-hmm. and make it better and build on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't mm-hmm. because the kernel of it was somebody else's. And yeah. it's hard when it's something that's also in the collective consciousness. Like, right. you know, the, the old standby sort of cliche is airline food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people say, ah, oh, that's, that's so hack to talk about airline food. But you, if you put your own spin on Nothing's it. Nothing's you know, hack you if you can it make out. it funny. Yeah, yes. Well, I mean, like, you know, in this album, Robin Williams took... William F. Buckley and the Goldilocks <laughs> my favorite oh, bit yeah. which again is unless you're of a certain age it's gonna make no sense yeah like you'll sure. understand Goldilocks and everybody like you know, the, the William F. Buck- F. Buckley reference, that perfect yeah. cadence mm-hmm. of that impersonation the nailing the the just the, the sort of sneering smarmy mm-hmm. intellectualism mm-hmm. and I'm like I just love that. It, well, yes, yeah. it elevates the material in a way that a person who can't do impersonations couldn't. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of that is just a throwaway where he says, why the bears didn't need her? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and it just keeps going on. <laughs> it's a great point. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just such, such an amazing moment. Mm-hmm. And, and he's just really good at that. Another thing uh, in the bio um, that I just remember when you're talking about the list of voices he has in here, um, he came from a very wealthy family, and he apparently had this huge collection of toy soldiers, not the plastic ones, but like uh, metal ones, or, or they had lead in them. Yeah. And uh, his brother uh, talked about a story where they would go on the, the roof and... Um, and hold a lighter up to them, and, and lead would drop off. Of oh, the, my God. Of the, so they said they're lucky that they didn't get lead poisoning, that <laughs> they didn't burn down the house. But also, uh, he had apparently thousands of these things and had, like, a different voice for every I believe it. Soldier. I totally believe it. And, I, and, and, you know, hearing the other things I've heard, I, I believe that he would remember the identities of each one. Like, that is just a singular type of brain, you know? It's, it's, like, it's kind of like Superman, you know, in, in that you... In, and Superman's like he can hear everybody talking everywhere mm-hmm. in the world all the time. That would drive me nuts. Yeah. Like I can't I can barely deal with the, the noise of normal daily life. But if I remembered everything in everybody was saying in a room yeah. at a party around me, I, I it just would be overwhelming. I feel like that's a type of madness that a lot of people maybe experience, but only certain people can filter it. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Robin Williams suffered this madness, but had this special filter where he could use it to his advantage for certain things. I don't know if he could have done anything else but be a performer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> could you imagine him as, as an accountant? <laughs> I think that would drive him crazy. Yeah. 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 What is a number? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is a good time to take a little break. Uh, we'll be back in a moment with more comedy album. Uh, okay, here's another little thing about me. My dad went to high school, Tim Horton. Are you recording? Uh, I just left it recording. Okay. Oh, oh, cool. <laughs> oh, God. What Surprise. did I say? What did I say? <laughs> no, I cut out like all of the rambling. <laughs> rambling? Can you tell me Jason's high laugh that you just did? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to come back to one thing, actually. You said there was a bit about of the roach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I must have been confused because I guess my my Robin Williams uh, voices and impersonations kind of blend together. I thought he was doing a, a Minnie Mouse. No, no, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's a why role. I said that thing that's at the beginning. The yeah. I, I I don't know why I thought that, but I thought he was doing. It sounds like it, yeah. and I thought it was Minnie Mouse doing like a streetcar named Desire. No, 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 but it's, it's, a, a, roach. it's a roach. Yeah, yeah. and it's an auditioning for Metamorphs. Getting my cast oh. confused. Oh, Metamorphs. Where no, a sense. person turns into a cockroach. And... My my only note for that was bugs? Question mark. Bugs. <laughs> I just I loved that thing. I loved that the roach's agent was a fly. Yes, that was oh, like yeah. that was just like it was just a little a little flourish. But I like that, that the needed, uh, but was nice. I like that the human uh, casting director though can understand all the flies being. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll set something up. Yeah. We'll have lunch. <laughs> it's all flourish. That's what he's. That's what he's amazing mm. for. Yes. What I'm yeah, impressed by sense. is his ability to do. Uh, uh, Accents, but a gibberish in that accent. Oh, yeah. man, like when he's yeah. doing um, the translation for the Russian, the Russian. gymnast. Yes, it's yes. amazing, and and he and it I'm, sounds I'm very sure real. it's gibberish. Oh, I, it is. I, I think it is, and yeah. and he's saying it's it's perfect, and he does a translation. Well, well, and it sounds Russian. When I was listening to this this morning. I just listened in the living room, and Heather uh, asked me, "Is like, is he actually Russian?" And I'm like, "No, no." And he's yeah. funny, and she's like. But he always plays Russians, and, and I'm like, well, yeah, he actually has played a lot of Russians, like Moscow and Hudson. Moscow and Hudson, uh, yeah. But I'm like, yeah, but he's dark-haired and hairy, and mm. he just scans as Russian, you know? So. Funny. And he has a great ear for those idiosyncrasies of different dialects yeah, and languages, just enough to fool you, yeah. you know? I don't think he's a, a master linguist that way. Uh, but uh, he like nailed the Orkian. The Orkian accent was amazing in the seventies. From you know people from Ork. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was. You guys are so young. You're so young. No, no, no. I grew up on that. You sounded so serious. It was like, uh, it's fiction, Martha. I'm like, Mork? I'm just going to smile and nod over here in the corner. One of the things that was cool about Mork and Mindy, too, is like when they cast um, Jonathan Winters. Jonathan Winters, I mean, that was him fanning out because that totally. was him casting like a comedy god team yeah. and getting to yeah. work with them and I mean, yeah. that must have been a really interesting I believe it, I believe from what I've heard of, of yeah it was just like he was just in heaven working with him yeah. yeah, that was one of his first uh, uh, sort of eye-opening moments in comedy. He used to stay up late with his dad watching late shows, and his favorite person was Jonathan Winters. And he loved the idea that he came across as so square and formal, but was just crazy, just Absurd. so silly, yeah. but also very sharp and very fast. And there's that famous... Um, bit where he's on the Jack Parr show and Jack Parr says, you know, okay, do something with this and he gives him a stick and uh, Winters just improvises for, you know, like 10 minutes all these different things and accents. He plays the flute for a bit, he uses it to canoe and he plays a Native American. Like he just... It's yeah. very Robin Williams yeah. without quite that same level of manicness, but yeah. mm-hmm. a generation removed sort mm-hmm. of thing. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's neat. And it, yeah, it's pretty cool that they got to work together on Mark and Mindy. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Winters. Miss them both. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So, yeah, so I guess, um, you know, a couple of things that sorry, I was thinking of, I guess. Mm-hmm. One is. How some of the in comedy may not have aged well. It's uh, very common in uh, albums of this age. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, even albums ten years ago have problems. And it's it's it's, it's just it's you know I 
I'm curious what he would do differently now if he was here mm-hmm. from then, like how he would approach that material differently. That's an interesting way of putting it because I just feel like he it wouldn't be in his stream of consciousness quite that same because he is like we've talked about a, a man of the moment and uh, I feel like without even having to intentionally consider it he his stream of consciousness moves on with societies if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean he's clearly a liberal minded man but yeah. uh, I just don't think he would be doing that stuff anymore but at the same time I, I, he never struck me as someone who censored himself yeah. um, so I don't I, I feel I feel he's not someone who was super careful about what he was saying but because of his heart it was never evil no you know I mean in the 70s maybe appropriate but a lot of this content was not shocking, unfortunately. But no. yeah, times change, and and um, I, I I hear what you're saying. I think what you're saying is this wouldn't even be in his consciousness right now because yeah. times have changed, and and he would have changed with the times. I can't speak for him, but no. I can't imagine him doing anything racist or homophobic. Yeah, or, it, I mean, or even, sexist. Even, even when he's doing stuff like the stuff in here, it's not it's not malicious. No, it's so insensitive, it, but it's, it's mal- yeah, it's stuff that's yeah. like, that's in poor taste. Right, but it's not intended. But it's to hurt. pretty, yeah. It's it's pretty mild in the grand scheme yeah. of things. I would say, and he's also not saying like, he's not saying this is what black people talk like. Yeah. He's, he's saying just, there are people who talk like this. Um, that doesn't necessarily make it right or okay, but I, I, to me, it doesn't feel like he's painting a race with a certain brush. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's he's heard people talk a certain way. He's imitating it. He's imitating people. He's not imitating an ethnic group. That's sort of that's sort of what I feel. Yeah, he's not saying, oh yeah, you know, black people, they're always like, like yeah. he's not that kind of person. Yeah, and it's, it's always I always find this interesting because like material evolves, performers evolve. Mm-hmm. Like there's an article in Vulture, like a year ago or so, where. The barometer of our times, Vulture. <laughs> but they do have good, some good articles yeah, no, uh, from time to time. But uh, yeah, they're crap too. Um, <laughs> but they, were, they went back to comedians and said, you know, is there a um, any bit you wouldn't do now? And you know, they talked to like Sarah Silverman, who she basically was like, you know, and she even addressed this in uh, I Heart, I Love You, America. Mm-hmm. In an episode where she's like a lot of the racial stuff that she did, she's mm-hmm. like, I, at the moment, that was what my voice was. I wouldn't do that now. I would say she is probably the comedian I think of the most when I think of people who are willing to be accountable for things yeah. they like, said. Like, and Pat Oswalt's another one where he's sure. like, he had a, um, a bit in an early album. I think it's a two-hour. We did we did Werewolves and Lollipops, but there was like a two-hour version of that same set that right. came out before that. And it was cut. It was part of that bit that was cut. Right. It was like a parade for homosexual Down syndrome. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's... And the language around that was like, oh, no, no, no. And then he's like, yeah, it was hack. He, he admits it. It, yeah. was, it was easy. It was low-hanging fruit. Yeah. It, and I'll admit, like, when he said it in the 90s, you know, I found it funny. But right. I'm also, you know, a lot older now and realize... No, that was wrong. <laughs> well, we shouldn't feel guilty for things we laughed at in the past because we laughed at yeah. them in a, in a context and a time uh, that they weren't, that we were less aware of how 
we should behave. Yeah. I think I, I think we should feel guilty for laughing at anything. Yeah. I mean, laughing at someone is is one thing, and, and, and at you know things they're going through or whatever. But if some if someone makes a joke about something and it's inappropriate, that's on them, and they can make it funny. And if we laugh at it, I mean, that's just well, a human response. Sometimes I laugh. I, mean, I laugh at something that I sh- I, I know. Like if it's if someone's punching down, right, and I still it, it invokes a laugh. There's like Martha, that's not. And that's and that's the thing with the Oswald thing. I was going to mention yeah. that that's a term that they use in comedy a lot. Is is punching punching down is where we. It's not. It's it's not really funny to attack people who have a lower status or power than Even the person speaking. Even if you can do it speaking. in a very funny manner. Yeah, it's more and fun to be either self-deprecating or punch up at the mm-hmm. attack. I think of all, all of these people, they've all realized. Not, it's not a mistake that they've grown as performers yeah. and realize yeah. how to aim their jokes better. And society's mm-hmm. grown and changed yeah. as well. Yeah, it's, so. it's, an, it's an immature response to laugh at something like yeah. that. And and we all have done it. I mean, Adam like Sandler's someone, made a career. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like Pratt Falls. Someone trips over sure. and hurts themselves. We laugh. We do. And I don't want to uh, laugh because they're hurt. But. There's this great book called uh, The Naked Jape. And there's uh, part of that is uh, delving into the history of why we laugh. Mm. And... Basically, the the theories are that it's a defense mechanism, and you know, uh, animals uh, they show their teeth even if they're not going to attack. They bare their teeth, and it's sort of a threatening thing. And the theory is that when we laugh, we're sort of going, "Ha ha! I'm not afraid." Uh, someone else fell. Ha ha! It wasn't me. Thank God. But oh God, I hope it's not me. And and then this weird sense of humor developed where mm-hmm. we're laughing at it, but laughing is this nervous it's response a of relief. It's relief. a relief. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and people always talk about you can't have comedy without tragedy, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know it, it's sort of a well, release of energy. Laughter often they often, there's also the the um, it's a break in tension. Yes, right, um, exactly. And like so that's when you're when you're building a joke, it's the tension, and the break is when it goes somewhere you don't expect it to. Oh, right. If you just talk about going to the store and buying milk and coming home, that's not funny. But if mm. if you find a way to twist the coming home or something, you know, so you're in your head, you're following along. It's it's the break in tension, the break in the change mm-hmm. in narrative. The that's surprise, funny. Yeah. And yeah, that's f- falling down is a break in narrative. You don't expect that. Oh yeah, absolutely yeah. Especially the when surprise. It's children, it's funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, but there's that sense like, are they okay? And then like as soon as you know they're okay, like it's that. Like, oh yeah. god. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel's made uh, made his oh, fame off of the back Halloween. of tormenting children. <laughs> like, sure. let's. Eat their candy. Let's steal their Christmas yeah. presents. And, yeah. and I know some very lovely people who watch that and laugh their head off. Yeah. Say no, the kid didn't lose their candy. Right. The kids. Right. But I, yeah. still I can't there. watch it. I can't. Oh, I can't I even, though you know, it. even though you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't find it funny at all. No. The concept isn't funny. To the you. concept isn't funny to me yeah. because the kids are hurting. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you yeah, are hurting here, yeah. them. Even though in the oh, end, at it's the, the end, joke. that one I, I couldn't remember what the context was. Can you, can we explain the, it? A well, like the parents, it's the day after Halloween. The kids have amassed a crazy amount of candy. They wake up in the morning, and the kids video the parents video themselves talking to their kids, saying, "I have something to tell you. I'm so sorry, Daddy and I ate all your candy." Right. Yeah. And, and they cry often. often it's traumatic. They cry. No, and it's sometimes really, yeah. they're bratty, and they but, mm-hmm. but they're kids, and that like their brains work differently than ours, and so to torture uh, an innocent, I think for the purpose of us laughing, I don't find it funny. And ever. yeah, in the argument is that they didn't really steal, really steal the com- the candy; they get it back, but that doesn't erase the trauma. No, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, so yeah. I don't find that funny no. either. I, I, I don't understand why. I think that's the thing with a lot of comedy where people are like. If there's a victim, it's it's not really fun. It's like, you you, you can't just do that. And then, you know, 
back to Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he was, you know, ver- I, this is what I find interesting. Like he was good at like addressing issues by com- bringing up the ugliness with because there was this sort of detachment and yes, he was dealing with dark material before he was able to land the joke. Now with the shift in context where no, he is a monster. Right. <laughs> Undeniably a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it breaks my it, heart. Yeah, it's like it all that that material doesn't stop being powerful, but now the context has shifted because it's like you know, the signal source has changed. Right. And it's yeah. it'll it'll never land the same way. No. You go back to that material and it's like the, the, he's joking about his own victims. Right. I don't even think it would be funny for anyone to do anymore. I don't think it's just him. Obviously, like, for him, it's not funny. It wouldn't, well, I mean, it wouldn't land. It but I don't think we... I don't think any comedians can land the type of jokes that he was able to land before because as a society, our perspective Well, it's changed. Yeah, it's... I think to a degree, but... There's still... Is, there's there's, still, there's like, room for a new voice. And there's right. a new way to do it. I think maybe the vector being different. Maybe it being from, like, you know... Uh, a non non white male, like not being from somebody other than a, mm-hmm. a, a like a white male. Yeah, I can doing... never say we can't joke about this, but uh, I just, but, just the, it has the to technique is going to have to be different yeah. because you go back to that and it's like, oh, that's like a, a Louis bit. And yeah, right. we all know where that comes from. So is there's all this baggage, and that's kind of the core of. But that's what's exciting about comedy is that it is an organic beast. Like it's mm. ever changing and ever. Yeah, has that's, to. That's why, you know, the album. What do we, what do we say? Sixty years there've been albums, but you know, listening to the early stuff, there's very little that that stands up. Um, mm. And because it changes, and we change, uh, comedy it, changes, society changes. It's amazing, though. Actually, what, pardon my horrible memory. What was the album that we listened to? Where like the is it Carlin who's doing like the telephone jokes? That's, no, that's no, uh, Newhart. Newhart. Oh, Newhart. Newhart was great. Incredible. Yeah, and because to me, the, like, too. it doesn't matter that look, we don't use that kind of telephone anymore or anything like that. But the, to me, the comedy, t- like almost all of it, stood up. It was very um, unoffensive comedy, though. Yes. That's true. So yes. I guess if you stay in a very, um, a very <laughs> middle of the road, um, right. not risky, and not a product of its time, not joking about what's happening currently yeah. in society. Yeah, like, like if I take. Um, Lenny Bruce, mm-hmm. who oh, yeah. unquestionably talented, I can't stand his material no. because, like, there's so much. It's all political. It's so political, but it's just like it's, there's so much in there that that I find painful to listen to. Yeah. But you look at the history of Lenny Bruce, a man who grew up in burlesque houses, who was friends with jazz musicians and people of color and people mm-hmm. who used drugs and, and sex workers. And his jokes are trying to break down these barriers. So the, the, mm-hmm. the tap, it, it's very much like, you know, what we presumed Louis was trying to do, mm-hmm. in that he was trying to. Oh, let's not compare Louis C.K. to well, no. Bruce, please. <laughs> it, well, he's using offensive material in a way right. to challenge. Uh, the yeah, audience. I would say Lenny Bruce was a very important comedian, but I just don't think he's listenable anymore. Yeah. At least to me, beyond a historical context. We, yeah, we can't forget the importance of these people whether we can listen to them or care to listen to them yeah. true well i mean yeah lenny bruce if there was no lenny bruce oh, a stand-up comedy would be a completely different true. world today well oh. bill cosby too bill cosby wouldn't exist um i mean well, no i'm i'm also saying without bill some, cosby oh yeah the family friendly like, bill cosby probably probably 
stands up better than a lot of stuff because he was so mm-hmm. center and middle of the road. And well, it's it's funny if you listen to it with today's lens. I mean, I was talking to my father about this a little while ago, and I said, uh, he said, "Will you do Cosby on the podcast?" And I said, "I don't think so." And he said, "Why?" And I said, "Well." I don't. I can't listen to his stuff anymore. And he said, "Really? Why not? Because of the stuff that went on." And I said, "Yeah, not just because of that, but because so much of his material is now tainted. Like he talks yeah. about, he makes jokes about giving roofies to to women in some of his material, and and just advice to a, kids it, about dating and things. Like he just, it's all gross." There was a joke in the Cosby Show about giving the entire family roofies in their barbecue. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. He's like, oh, why does everybody get so like lovey-dovey? And he's like, oh, there's something in the barbecue Really? Talk. But he yeah. was saying stuff yeah. in the 60s and 70s on his albums that he was actually doing. Yeah. And that, I can't laugh at it anymore. And then supporters are always saying, well, why can't you just separate the artist from the no, art? There's and no such thing. Like, you especially, cannot. You just can't. They're one in the same. something yeah. like comedy where it is so personality-driven. Yeah. Like, the artist is part of the final product in that because there's there's a confessional element yeah. there's 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 a personal element of their viewpoint that you don't necessarily get in, in a film but I, you know I still I do apply character. that to actors though uh, yeah. like I was uh, over the holidays on Netflix mm-hmm. and all these Kevin Spacey films like no <laughs> yeah. Yeah. even though I love them uh, Tom Cruise since the Scientology cra- I can't I cannot really? I can't yeah. oh I cannot watch wow. Tom Cruise yeah. wow. too crazy I love him in Mission Impossible. He just seems so capable. But like he has so a f- capable. <laughs> but, <laughs> he, he, he's, 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 he's you know he's you a, he's, a, he's a level he's thirteen clear but he individual. Ha- he, he has, has a powers. focus <laughs> that is undeniable and it is creepy. But like he he chooses roles that suit that. But yeah, I'm the same. I mean, I'll, I I want to watch Seven again, mainly for Brad Pitt, and Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow. I did but, actually recently watch and, that, and, and yeah, I I got over my. It, it was good, but I still I knew it's so distracting. It's so distracting. I'm just so distracted. Yeah, and then I watched <laughs> Working Girls, uh, which is the Melanie Griffith, um, uh, oh, Harrison yeah, Ford yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Spacey Sigourney has a tiny Weaver. part in that. Oh no! Yeah, and I'm like, oh, get out of here! Oh, get out of my stuff, Kevin yeah, Spacey. Yeah, I know he's everywhere when you look. Your studio should come out with all new editions, yeah. but it, no Spacey. Like they've got a little Christopher oh, Plummer. It's like Christopher it's digitally Plummer. insert Christopher <laughs> Plummer on <laughs> everything. There's like that's gonna be like a Google a Google Chrome filter. You know, you. you watch Netflix on Google Chrome it'll automatically like um, insert Christopher there Plummer was, uh, there was there were people lobbying to have uh, Christopher Plummer replace TJ Miller in uh, in Deadpool 2 oh my God. which didn't happen TJ Miller was still in it yeah. but there is a news uh, crawl in in, uh, in part of Deadpool there's a news story going on the news crawl says Christopher Plummer uh it declines role in Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> so they got that joke in before it came out. That's it's pretty funny. great. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, it's really. Um, I mean, I'm glad we know who these creeps are, but I can't. I am. I cannot yeah. separate art well, from yeah, artist. It's, it's, no, like Woody it's Allen. Oh, His see, movies okay, I can't watch either too because yeah. again, like stand up, they are like personal essays. Yeah. Well, has he ever had a romantic interest in a movie that wasn't 20 years younger than him? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
behavior. No. Unfortunately, they were, they were very, very personal demons, yes. but they, and they, yeah. I, I'm certain they affected his family and his close friends, but, sure. you know, society, he wasn't um, in any way, a, I don't think, a dangerous man or a horrible man. Not to others. I think I, I'm just, I was thinking about comedians now, and uh, one person that kind of just popped into my head that reminds me of Robin Williams in a way is a Bo Burnham. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, I can see that. Uh, his stand-up special, Make Happy, and he, he kind of has that same energy that Robin Williams has, just like, like just on rapid fire. He, he incorporates yeah. some music as well, but I really like that he is addressing the mental health aspects of of. You know, in, in his comedy and... Do you know uh, Dave Merhej? He's a, mm. a Toronto comedian. Well, he's from mm. Windsor originally. What's his last name? Merhej. No, M-E-R-H-E-J. Yeah. He just actually, had, on New Year's Day, Netflix uh, did the Comedians of the World. They released them all. And there's four Canadians, and Dave Merhej is one of them. Uh, Kate Trevor Wilson's the other. Ivan Decker oh, and nice. Dan Smith. Anyways, but Kate... Oh, they're all great. Um, uh, Dave and I started around the same time. <laughs> Look at our career. Anyway. Um, <laughs> hey, you're here. You're here. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that's, what I'm that's what I'm saying. He's only on Netflix. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he has that frenetic energy and I was worried about him when we I'd see him live like he'd get like like ropey you know the the veins he would just like ah, you know he would just pace and and yell and scream and but he's honed it but he still has that high energy and I and I know a lot of it's written but a lot of it's I think uh, there I think he does some improv in the middle of it all I don't know he's just if you ever get a chance check out Dave Mahaj right. he's very frenetic energetic mm-hmm. but smart and sometimes not smart. Sometimes like, no. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes sometimes goofy humor. I, I've seen him do uh, a couple of um, open mics, and he was a completely different dude. Like mm-hmm. he tries stuff, mm-hmm. and like he'll try a completely different set, not mm-hmm. just a different joke. Yeah. And I was like, wait, is this the same guy? Yeah. And like he just tries on different personas a, yeah. almost. It's yeah. really wild. Yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, and the sweetest very fast. guy. Sweetest guy. But uh, so if I'm thinking before homegrown, uh, yeah. uh, Dave Mahaj. He's in LA now or New well, York. Since but. we're into that, are there are there other people that we can think of that were not even necessarily up just right today, but who were obviously directly influenced by Robin Williams? I mean, he's such a tough <laughs> act to follow. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, he clearly had influence on lots of people, yeah. but that that kind of positive impish. Entertainer. I, I Howie, Mandel. Howie Mandel. Howie Mandel, definitely. Mandel, yeah. But I don't know how, how contemporary they were to each other. Well, or... yeah, Howie Mandel was kind of like, I think, a, a, few years after. a few years after. Because like, he yeah. was... Mid-80s, late mid-80s. 80s. Yeah. So yeah. he was in, by the time he was coming up, like Robin had pretty much been done with his stand-up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Watusi Tour, and what was the other one? Uh, uh, the videos. I remember renting uh, Howie Mandel's Watusi Tour and crying laughing, yeah. which... Mm. Um, Rarely happens. It's just so silly and ridiculous. Yeah, I, I loved him. I loved mm. him in the eighties because mm. it was just it was, you know, he was just bananas. Bananas. And, I, and, and, I, and I, my parents were friends with a guy who went to school with them, and he he totally caddyshacked the school pool. Like, Did he really? Uh, he, like, oh Henry Barr. And it's like oh, wow. so he was always like that. And it was an interesting. It's him. He went to school in Mississippi uh, Scarborough with it, it was the guy from Dharma and Greg. And also oh, really? Elton John's husband. Oh no no you, you no 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 Eric McCormick, who is not um, he's not Darren Gregg he is Will and Grace. Will and Grace sorry. Oh right right right. And right, right. Uh, David Furnish yes they all and Mike Myers they all went to the same school. Yeah right. And and Skyrim. I think I think I don't think I didn't know how he did I thought Howie I, I thought Howie was Thornhill. My kids go to that school. <laughs> yeah. Good things come out of that school. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go. I, mean, I, I think I think Howie's from Thornhill, but I think you're right. I think it's Eric McCormick, Mike Myers, and yeah. um, David Furnish all went, and they were all okay, the same I, grade. I, I thought my I, I could be wrong. 
No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yes. You're wrong, I think, about Howie with the other three, yeah. yes. Toronto's an interesting city. It's a small city. It's interesting. Yeah, I think that I find that really rare, the comedian that is almost completely positive, not wry and sarcastic and or, or preaching or acting smarter yeah. than uh, their audience. And I feel like Howie and Robin definitely fit into that. I, I kind of think Maria Bamford does, especially, like, she started out very yeah. character... It's different. It's, no, it's I different. can see what you mean, And there's though. a parallel. Yeah. There's an yeah. obvious difference, especially because in her like last few years has really grappled with mental health issues mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the as same time as her career exploding which yeah, is, yeah exactly and um but like in the beginning like you watch comedians of comedy her material is a completely different beast than it is now mm-hmm. and it's like just again it's that hammering character after character after it's character. so weird i remember the first time i saw her on late night probably like 10 years ago and i just thought who is this weirdo because she would just say yeah i used to have conversations with my mother and then she'd go into her mother's voice and it was uh, and that's a very that's a very it was very Williams. dry even though it was yeah. silly and weird and i yeah. thought you're nuts and uh, <laughs> but i really liked her she was a very different uh unique voice i still really like her. i don't like all of her comedy um but uh some of it lacks polish for sure but a lot of it is a lot of fun her show is hit and miss too i don't know if you watched any oh, i watched all of lady yeah I, I, I personally love it there's yeah. one one bit in the beginning of the second season which was such a it's like she's burning this motherfucker to the ground like she's like yeah. i've got what i want out of this i don't care and like where she starts where it's like an entire body positive a good two minutes of her dodging the pixelation while naked <laughs> oh and, yeah i and, remember and, that that's super and blueberry's funny. like why is she dodging the pixelation and it's like i'm body positive like the other dog she's body positive and it's like <laughs> I, I, this, I, I love great. this it's she's just, so absurd and wonderful yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, absurd it's, yeah absurd yeah, is it the is, perfect word and it's, it's positive in that it's acknowledging shitty things mm-hmm. but there's fun to be had in that moment. Well, I, I'm yeah. just fascinated by her as a person because, like, so much of what she's written and, and produces and does seems so brilliant. And and you see her in a in an interview, and she seems like she's barely holding it together. And like, I wonder, is this really her, or is part of this a persona? Or uh, she's a hard cookie to yeah, crack. Yeah, she's she's fascinating. It takes two expressions in one. <laughs> a hard cookie to crack. Oh, I like that. Yeah, Martha O'Neill is. <laughs> fishing, right. fishing uh, expert. Yeah. No. Yeah. Bad at metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, do we have any final thoughts on this? If the album still holds up for you, if you recommend it, if there's other things we want to explore. I'd like to just say that what, what my favorite joke in the whole thing was. Okay. Uh, he's preparing to do something, the Shakespeare about Downer's Nightmare, which was insanity. <laughs> and I guess he goes and sort of like goes off stage for a moment and he starts making sound effects and somebody sort of yells out like we can't see you oh, yeah. oh, and yes. it's an improv yeah. only just and I'm not on stage yet <laughs> and that to me was just yeah. that was the funniest thing of the whole thing it was just so true so and real awesome. and in the moment yeah yeah I feel like it was probably that San Francisco audience I feel yeah. like that that's the audience he also when they were interrupting he was like oh I'm surrounded by assholes like he would sort of work it into the narrative of what he's doing but sort of saying let me do my yeah. thing yeah. yeah yeah he fought back he would fight, yeah. he would say you know something about a He's back, oh, uh, to the farm boy. Uh, like, he's, oh, he's yeah. the farm boy. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, I just like that he uh, he carries on. He pushes through. He's um, 
kindly aggressive with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's never thrown by a heckler. No. no. Uh, the, yeah, that, that Shakespeare part, because um, they were yelling work and stuff, yeah. and then he, he took a really long route to get back to the... Uh, yeah, that wasn't Shakespeare. I was just goofing around. But now, for real, Shakespeare, uh, I want my suggestion, which he had asked for like two minutes earlier. Right. Right. He's letting them get it out of his system. Yeah, yeah, so that's he knew it's, it. you know, like, I went to him, uh, the Christmas show, the improv Christmas show at Second City, and it's like, you know, there's a good, like, there's one point they're soliciting things from the audience, and it's like, you know, good, you know, couple of minutes of dicks. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the, the there's the improv festival in Toronto, and I went to see, um, oh, it was like, they were doing Robocop, um, uh, and they just overdubbing it and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and again, it's like, let people get the dicks out of their system, and then we'll get the real, the, the real <laughs> suggestion the real at that point. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I, he just knew he knew the limitations of the audience. He knew. The but distance some people are really thrown by that, uh, mm. and they stutter and they stop, or they say, uh, "No, I want something else." And like, <laughs> he, he made a whole meal out of it, and then yeah. did what he wanted to do. Yeah. it's neat. Yeah. He didn't get thrown, but he didn't. He he was willing to deal with what he got, and then steer it back on course. One That's thing cool. that I uh, connected with the most was the, the the whole section on where he's Reverend Ernest Angry. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one bit where I, was just, I really wished I was there to see it because it had the most audience participation. Um, but uh, it really, like, on a deeper level, like, got me really jazzed and inspired and excited about comedy because he's just, mm. you know, talking about being saved and, um, you know, who needs to be healed and the power of comedy and... Uh, I, I, you know, I'm listening to it at home while I'm doing dishes, and I'm just like, fuck yeah, let's go. Like, I want to go to all the shows now. Like, it made me really want to go out and, like, go see comedy that night that's because really cool. of that bit in, in the Were, were you uh, Halloweening along with everybody <laughs> else? Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, I like that too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're all equal here. Um, yeah, no. I, I was a real evangelist, you know, in the, Ernest Angley. Oh, really? Yeah. So a- he, Angry or Angley? Angley. Angley. And is he... So and he's he's saying he, angry. So oh, he is saying but angry. he's based on a real person. Oh, yeah. that whole wow. bit. Yeah. yeah. Which then it became a, a comedic mainstay for comedics to do the southern preacher as a character. I mean, right. tons have imitated that, but he was one of the I mean, uh, Martin did it too. Uh, stuff like that. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that you yeah, liked I loved that it. Part. I'm really excited. I really <laughs> liked how when things stopped working and he did that whole bit about like Defcon Five or whatever it is, that whole thing where the this is a a comedic bit failing and like this is a com- yes. comedian dying on stage. Um, that was, I think, is is it, it, in my mind or inside the mind. It's yeah. the name of the track, and it's like I really think that's his mental process. It like, feels I think he's improv just exposing. To me. It's improv, but it's like he's exposing the the way he thinks at yeah, the but moment. Like, I, I, I don't think it was pre-written. I think no, he, no, and, no. And it's yeah. so good like to have material and then cut away and say, okay, not working, not working, uh, let's try the pity thing. And then he, like he he calls out different types of jokes, tries them, fails, goes back. And it's just, it, and, it, and it's relatable. Like it's the real process of what a comedian goes through. But to yeah. com- comment on it and come up with stuff in real time mm-hmm. and then make that whole bit work without any of the parts of it working, yeah. it's genius I, I lo- that's probably my favorite part of the album is that bit that, and that was the one part that I wrote down I think you should be on drugs to listen to that part of the album <laughs> <laughs> or be a comedian who's bombed on stage <laughs> yeah. same thing maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, my favorite part was um, that it shocked my parents. <laughs> uh, Still they, getting back at them. I love that they didn't uh, pull the needle off, though. That they, you, well, I think they loved it. I think they actually... Cool. That's really cool. It's changed them a little bit, too, you know, mm-hmm. like... But what, the one I remember the most that has, has, is the, the Mr. Rogers and the, uh, the microwaved... Um, guinea pig is it a guinea pig hamster hamster hamster, hamster. hamster. <laughs> microwaves were new too don't forget that's true. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm serious like this is no, all yeah, like yeah. you know lots of children we were, probably did this we were terrified <laughs> of microwaves you don't put foil or you would explode the house and, all, you know. and don't stand too near because you'll get like radiation you'll never have babies <laughs> that's, and, that's yeah. very true very true um so uh, <laughs> but also just yeah and how it just changed me it just it just changed me so thank you robin hmm. thank you robin thank you robin <laughs> You should all read this book. It's just called Robin by David Itzkoff. It came out last year, and it is fascinating. Yes. Yeah. I will. I didn't know about it. I will. Yeah. Check it out. All right, guys. Uh, thanks to everybody for showing up. Uh, Matt Ardill, you live here, so... Uh, <laughs> I got to roll out of bed. Not a chance. Helen <laughs> uh, Marie, who you can find... Where can we find you and look for stuff from you? Uh, my Instagram, at underscore Helena Marie. All right, perfect. We'll look over there for pictures and videos. At underscore. Uh, Martha, where can we find you? Um, I'm on Twitter, Martha underscore O'Neill. Mine's in the middle. Uh, Two L's. O-N-E-I-L-L. I'm recording my own comedy album coming up. Uh, Yeah, we're just, myself and my co-producer from uh, SheDot Festival, we're going to do a sort of joint venture. So we're going to do two shows in one night, and each of us will do about 35 minutes. So we're just trying to nail down a venue that we can do two shows in one night. Um, Do you have a date-ish? We're hoping for mid-February. Um, and yeah, and SiriusXM is hopefully going to help awesome. us record it. And um, Great. yeah, so maybe maybe Looking in a year that. we'll sit here and listen to my album. Yeah, yeah. no, sounds I'm, good. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, it'll be legendary, whatever. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's so, the title, legendary so yeah. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't have a title. No, I did. There you um, go. So yeah, I'll put that on my Twitter when it when it comes up. So sounds good. Great. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a live show, obviously. So yeah, uh, we're yeah we're hoping to do, we're yeah. going to do it live and then record it. And awesome. Cool. And what about you, Andrew? Uh, I can also be found on Instagram uh, at Fleming with one M, and that's actually the the handle because I'm so people always spell it with two M. So I'm at like, I'm Fleming with one M is yeah. your handle? Yeah, adorable. So can you like, spell I that? F L E M I N G W I T H. The letter, the number one, oh God. then M. So people are probably like, Fleming with one million followers? It's like, no, 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 no. I'm just literally just telling you how to spell my name. No one's yeah. guessing that. Dream big, man. <laughs> That'll be eventually when I do reach one million followers. Or whatever. Or whatever. Legendary or whatever. Don't steal our title. Matt? Yeah. I'm getting 10% off. Uh, okay. Twitter, at common person. Um, yeah. That's very Living the love of common people man yeah. <laughs> I have a real yeah. thing for, for the band pulp it's, it's just yeah. a ah, yeah. it's not Shatner okay yeah the William Shatner cover <laughs> of common people it's a pretty good one yeah. uh, and you can find me on Instagram I guess at the line man D-E-L-I-N-E-M-A-N or you can find me on Twitter I think it's at Jason Deline, but I barely use it See, I, so I, just, I, I, won't, I don't rarely use Instagram I don't get it anyways just keep listening to this podcast that's where you find me <laughs> my name's Jason Deline. thanks for listening to Comedy Album Book Club Woo! <laughs>